Section twenty three, chapter twelve, part one of the betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni, Chapter Twelve, Part One. This was the second year of the scarcity. In the preceding year, the surplus remaining from former seasons had more or less supplied the deficiency, and the people, neither satiated nor famished, but certainly sufficiently unprovided for, had reached the harvest of 1628, in which our story finds us. Now this harvest, so long and eagerly looked forward to, proved still less productive than the former, partly on account of the adverse character of the season, and that not only at Milan, but in great measure in the surrounding country, and partly by the agency of man. Such were the ravages and havoc of the war, that amiable war to which we have already alluded, that in the parts of the country bordering on its scene, much more land than usual remained uncultivated and deserted by the peasants, who instead of working to provide food for themselves and others, were obliged to wander about as beggars. I have said more than usual, because the insupportable taxes levied with unequal cupidity and folly the habitual conduct even in perfect peace of the stationary troops, conduct which the mournful documents of the age compare to that of an invading enemy, and other reasons, which this is not the place to enumerate, had for some time been producing this sad effect throughout the whole of the Milanese, the particular circumstances of which we are now speaking being but the sudden exacerbation of a chronic disease. No sooner had this deficient harvest been gathered in, than the provisions for the army, and the waste which always accompanies them, made such a fearful void in it, that scarcity quickly made itself felt, and with scarcity its melancholy, but profitable as well as inevitable, effect a rise of prices. But when the price of food reaches a certain point, there always arises, at least hitherto it has always arisen, and if it is so still, after all that has been written by so many learned men, what must it have been in those days? There always arises an opinion among the many that it is not the effect of scarcity. They forget that they had foreseen and predicted such an issue. They suddenly fancy that there is plenty of corn, and that the evil proceeds from their not being as much distributed as is required for consumption, propositions sufficiently preposterous, but which flatter both their anger and their hopes. Corn monopolists, either real or imaginary, large landholders, the bakers who purchased corn, all, in short, who had either little or much, or were thought to have any, were charged with being the causes of the scarcity and dearness of provisions. They were the objects of universal complaint, and of the hatred of the multitude of every rank. 
the populace could tell with certainty where there were magazines and granaries full and overflowing with corn and even requiring to be propped up they indicated most extravagant numbers of sacks they talked with certainty of the immense quantities of grain secretly dispatched to other places where probably it was asserted with equal assurance and equal excitement that the corn grown there was transported to milan they implored from the magistrates those precautions which always appear or at least have always hitherto appeared so equitable so simple so capable of drawing forth the corn which they affirm to be secreted walled up or buried and of restoring to them abundance the magistrates therefore busied themselves in fixing the highest price that was to be charged upon every commodity in threatening punishment to any one who should refuse to sell and making other regulations of a similar nature as however all human precautions how vigorous soever can neither diminish the necessity of food nor produce crops out of season and as these individual precautions offered no very inviting terms to other countries where there might be a superabundance the evil continued and increased the multitude attributed such an effect to the scarcity and feebleness of the remedies and loudly solicited some more spirited and decisive measures unfortunately they found a man after their own heart in the absence of the governor don gonzalo fernandez de cordova who is encamped over casale de monferrato the high chancellor antonio ferrer also a spaniard supplied his place at milan this man saw and who could help seeing it that a moderate price on bread is in itself a most desirable thing and he thought here was his mistake that an order from him would suffice to produce it he fixed the limit la meta by which the tariff was distinguished in articles of food at the price that the bread would have had if the corn had been generally sold at thirty-three livres the bushel and they sold it as high as eighty he acted like the old woman who thought to make herself young again by changing her baptismal faith regulations less irrational and less unjust had on more than one occasion by the resistance of actual circumstances remained unexecuted but that this should be carried into effect was undertaken by the multitude who seeing their demands at last converted into a law would not suffer it to be a mere form they immediately ran to the bakehouses to demand bread at the fixed price and they required it with that air of threatening resolution which passion force and law united could impart it need not be asked if the bakers resisted with sleeves turned up they were busied in carrying putting into the oven and taking out thence without intermission for the people having a confused idea that it was too violent an attempt to last long besieged the bakehouses incessantly to enjoy their temporary good fortune and every reader can imagine what a pleasure it must have been to drudge like a slave 
and expose one's self more than usually to an attack of pleurisy, to be, after all, a loser in consequence. But with magistrates on one side threatening punishments, and the people on the other importunate, murmuring at every delay that was interposed in serving them, and indefinitely menacing some one or other of their chastisements, which are always the worst that are inflicted in this world. There was no help for it, drudge they must. They were forced to empty and replenish their ovens and sell. However, to keep them up to such employment, it was of little avail to impose strict orders and keep them in constant fear. It was a question of absolute practicability, and had the thing lasted a little longer, they could have done no more. They remonstrated incessantly against the iniquitous and insupportable weight of the burden laid upon them, and protested they would willingly throw the shovel into the oven and take their departure. And yet they continued to persevere as they could, longing, hoping, that some day or other the High Chancellor would come to his senses. But Antonio Ferrer, who was what now would be called a man of character, replied that the bakers had made enormous profits in past times, that they would equally make great gains in better times to come, that therefore it was both reasonable and necessary they should make some compensation to the public, and that, in the meanwhile, they must get on as they could. Whether he were really convinced of the truth of those reasons he alleged to others, or whether, perceiving from its effects the impossibility of maintaining this regulation, he was willing to leave to others the odium of revoking it, for who can now look into Antonio Ferrer's mind? Yet certain it is he did not relax one iota of what he had established. At length the decurioni, a municipal magistracy composed of nobles, which lasted till the ninety-sixth year of the last century, informed the governor by letter of the state in which matters stood, hoping he might be able to suggest some remedy. Don Gonzalo, buried overhead in the affairs of war, did what the reader will certainly imagine. He nominated a council which he endowed with full authority to fix such a price upon bread as could become current, thus doing justice to both parties. The deputies assembled, or it was expressed after the Spanish fashion, in the jargon of those days, the junta met, and after a hundred bowings, compliments, preambles, sighs, whisperings, airy propositions, and subterfuges, urged by a necessity which all felt to come to some determination, conscious that they were casting an important die, but aware that there was no other course to be taken, they at length agreed to augment the price of bread. The bakers once more breathed, but the people raved. The evening preceding the day in which Renzo arrived at Milan, the streets and squares swarmed with men who, transported with indignation and swayed by a prevailing opinion, assembled 
whether acquaintances or strangers, in knots and parties without any previous concert, and almost without being aware of it, like raindrops on a hillside. Every conversation increased the general belief, and roused the passion of both hearer and speaker. Amongst the many excited ones there were some few of cooler temperament, who stood quietly watching with great satisfaction the troubling of the water, who busied themselves in troubling it more and more, with such reasonings and stories as rogues know how to invent, and agitated minds are so ready to believe, and who determined not to let it calm down without first catching a little fish. Thousands went to rest that night with an indeterminate feeling that something must and would be done. Crowds assembled before daybreak, women, children, men, old people, workmen, beggars, all grouped together at random. Here was a confused whispering of many voices, there declaimed to a crowd of applauding bystanders. This one asked his nearest fellow the same question that had just been put to himself. That other repeated the exclamation that he heard resounding in his ears. Everywhere were disputes, threats, wonderings, and very few words made up the materials of so many conversations. There only wanted something to lay hold of, some beginning, some kind of impetus to reduce words to deeds, and this was not long wanting. Towards daybreak little boys issued from the baker's shops, carrying baskets of bread to the houses of their usual customers. The first appearance of one of these unlucky boys in a crowd of people was like the fall of a lighted squib in a gunpowder magazine. Let us see if there is bread here, exclaimed a hundred voices in an instant. Aye, for the tyrants who roll in abundance and would let us die of hunger, said one. Approaching the boy and raising his hand to the edge of the basket, he snatched at it and exclaimed, Let me see. The boy colored, turned pale, trembled and tried to say, Let me go on but the words died between his lips, and slackening his arms he endeavoured to disengage them hastily from the straps. Down with the basket was the instantaneous cry. Many hands seized it and brought it to the ground. They then threw the cloth that covered it into the air. A tepid fragrance was diffused around, we too are Christians, we must have bread to eat, said the first. He took out a loaf, and raising it in the view of the crowd, began to eat. In an instant all hands were in the basket, and in less time than one can relate it, all had disappeared. Those who had got none of the spoil, irritated at the sight of what the others had gained, and animated by the facility of the enterprise, moved off by parties in quest of other straying baskets, which were no sooner met with than they were pillaged immediately. Nor was it necessary to attack the bearers, 
those who unfortunately were on their way as soon as they saw which way the wind blew voluntarily lay down their burdens and took to their heels nevertheless those who remained without a supply were beyond comparison the greater part nor were the victors half satisfied with such insignificant spoil and some there were mingled in the crowds who had resolved upon a much better regulated attack to the bakehouse to the bakehouse was the cry in the street called la corsa dei servi was a bakehouse which is still there bearing the same name a name that in tuscan means the bakery of the crutches and in milanese is composed of words so extravagant so whimsical that the alphabet of the italian language does not afford letters to express its sound in this direction the crowd advanced the people of the shop were busy questioning the poor boy who had returned unladen and he pale with terror and greatly discomposed was unintelligibly relating his unfortunate adventure when suddenly they heard a noise as of a crowd in motion it increases and approaches the forerunners of the crowd are in sight shut lock up quick quick one runs to beg assistance from the sheriff the others hastily shut up the shop and bolt and bar the doors inside the multitudes begin to increase without and the cries redouble of bread bread open open at this juncture the sheriff arrived in the midst of a troop of halberdiers make room make room my boys go home go home make room for the sheriff cried he the throng not too much crowded gave way a little so that the halberdier could advance and get close to the door of the shop though not in a very orderly manner but my friends said the sheriff addressing the people from thence what are you doing here go home go home where is your fear of god what will our master the king say we don't wish to do you any harm but go home like good fellows what in the world can you do here in such a crush there is nothing good to be got here either for the soul or body go home go home but how were those next to the speaker who saw his face and could hear his words even had they been willing to obey how were they to accomplish it urged forward as they were and almost trampled on by those behind who in their turn were trodden upon by others like wave upon wave and step upon step to the very edge of the rapidly increasing throng the sheriff began to feel a little alarmed make them give way that i may get a little breath he said to his halberdier but don't hurt anybody let us try to get into the shop knock make them give way back back cried the halberdier throwing themselves in a body upon their nearest neighbors and pushing them back with the point of their weapons the people replied with a grumbling shout and retreated as they could 
dispersing blows on the breast and stomach in profusion and treading upon the toes of those behind while such was the general rush the squeezing and the trampling that those who were in the middle of the throng would have given anything to have been elsewhere in the meanwhile a small space was cleared before the house the sheriff knocked and kicked against the door calling to those within to open it these seeing from the window how things stood ran down in haste and admitted the sheriff followed by the halberdier who crept in one after the other the last repulsing the crowd with their weapons when all were secured they rebolted the door and running upstairs the sheriff displayed himself at the window we leave the reader to imagine the outcry my friends cried he many looked up my friends go home a general pardon to all who go home at once bread bread open open were the most conspicuous words in the savage vociferations the crowd sent forth in reply justice my friends take care you have yet time given you come get away return to your houses you shall have bread but this is not the way to get it eh eh what are you doing down there eh at this door fie fie upon you i see i see justice take care it is a great crime i'm coming to you eh eh away with those irons down with those hands fie you milanese who are talked of all over the world for peaceableness listen listen you have always been good su ah you rascals this rapid transition of style was caused by a stone which coming from the hands of one of these good subjects struck the forehead of the sheriff on the left protuberance of his metaphysical profundities rascals rascals continued he shutting the window in a rage and retiring from view but though he had shouted to the extent of the powers of his throat his words both good and bad had vanished and consumed in thin air repulsed by the cries which came from below the objects that now as he afterwards described presented themselves to his view were stones and iron bars the first they could lay hold of by the way with which they tried to force open the doors and windows and they already had made considerable progress in their work End of chapter 12, part 1.